Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Terry Tindill has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Terry. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for April 26, 2019. It's a Friday, and from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. Fresh from the end game, I'm Len Peralta. And this is Allison Sheridan of the Podfeet Podcasts. And uh, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Tom Merritt is out in Vegas today, having a good old time. We hope so, anyway. Uh, but uh, but the but the four of us are going to hold down the fort, and we're going to start with a few tech things you should know. Let's start with Uber. The company disclosed that it plans to raise up to $9 billion in its IPO at a market cap of up to $84 billion, which would put Uber at one of the largest IPOs of all time. Uber reports projected Q1 2019 revenue of between $3 billion and $3.1 Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. 
Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Billion dollars versus $2.58 billion in revenue for Q1 of 2018. Well, that sounds good. But Amazon at the same time revealed in its latest quarterly earnings that it's in the process of making free one-day shipping the default shipping option for Amazon Prime customers. Company CFO Brian Olsovsky stated the company has been working on improving its logistics over the past quarter, saying, we're already starting down this path. We've expanded the number of zip codes eligible for one-day shipping, but added, it will take us a significant amount of time to achieve. The company says it will reveal more details in the second quarter of the year. And Slack released its S1 filing in advance of going public, reporting revenue of $400 million and a net loss of $139.8 million for its fiscal year, which ended in January. The company reported over 10 million daily active users, with more than half located outside of the U.S. Slack reported 88,000 paying customers, up 49% on the year, with customers paying over $100,000 annually for the service, that's up 93%. So that's a big that's a big jump. Slack reported that in the year, paid users spent more than 90 minutes per day engaged on the platform and that one uh, and that over 1 billion messages per week are sent by users under risk factors. The company listed the need to create systems to stay in compliance with data regulations like GDPR. That's really amazing to me that you can have a successful business with 88,000 paying customers out of 10 million daily active users. That's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah I know. It's uh, it's uh, it's a strange world we live in. Uh, speaking of, well, I don't even know if you call it strange anymore, but <laughs> we do have some Facebook updates. Allison, tell us what's the latest. I am shocked to report that the New York <laughs> Times reports that the New York State Attorney General's office plans to open an investigation into Facebook's unauthorized collection of one and a half million email contact lists since May 2016. By the way, that's contact lists, right? Not contacts. Uh, Facebook has stated the collection was unintentional and that the contacts were used to improve Facebook's ad targeting, build social connections, and recommend friends. Since reported by Business Insider last week, Facebook turned off the functionality and stated it was in the process of deleting the data. The company said it is responding to questions from the attorney general's office. All right, Allison. I, I, you know, I, 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 at this point in, in the world of Facebook, you know, half the time I'm like, ah, do we have to talk about Facebook again? But this is pretty significant. And I think at this point, my question to you is when the company says, Hey, we didn't realize what was going on and we're rectifying it best we can. How much do you believe them? You know, the first eight or 10 times, I'm sorry that I breached. I'm sorry that I I did something I said I wasn't doing. I'm sorry I kept doing something I said I wouldn't do anymore. Um, We're we're a little bit thin, but uh, did you guys report yesterday that uh, user accounts are up and it was up a fair amount on Facebook? Yeah, yeah. The quarterly earnings report for Facebook. I, I mean, it's it's the the company is not not lo- losing users. Certainly, worldwide, it, it is it is gaining the the majority of the world's population. I, I do think we need to get to a world where there are penalties for doing this. You know, I mean, there. I'm glad to see the state's attorney's office looking into it, but you know, let's put some meat behind that. 
All right. Well, this might make you feel even worse. Meanwhile, <laughs> Facebook notified Ireland's Data Protection Commission that it discovered hundreds of millions of user passwords associated with Facebook, Facebook Lite, and also Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, stored by the company in plain text <sighs> format on its internal servers. The DPC began an inquiry in, rela- in relation to this issue to determine whether or not Facebook has complied with its obligations under re- re- relevant provisions of the GDPR. There's that acronym again. The Canadian government is looking to into a similar issue as well. So yeah, it, it kind of a worldwide thing here. Yeah, well, this one is not as bad though, because this is a case of where they said, yeah, we were studying our internal stuff and look what we found. We found plain text passwords. So we screwed up again, but they came to them, right? This one, this story is not about they got caught. Yeah, no, it was this definitely isn't working as design. Yeah. This is what this this is what happened. We're letting you know. Yeah, that's going to go on for a little while. It appears. Well, iFixit responded to Samsung's request to pull its Galaxy Fold teardown, but apparently not directly from Samsung itself. iFixit said in a statement, "Quote: We were providing our Galaxy Fold unit. We were provided our Galaxy Fold unit by a trusted partner. Samsung has requested through that partner that iFixit remove its teardown." We are under no obligation to remove our analysis, legal or otherwise, but out of respect for this partner, whom we consider an ally in making devices more repairable, we are choosing to withdraw our story until we can purchase a Galaxy Fold at retail. Who's the partner? Yeah. And what leverage does Samsung have over that partner that they got this partner to say, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, won't you take this down? Yeah, I mean, iFixit is is this is what iFixit does. So the fact really? that you know the the Galaxy Fold has been <laughs> folded indefinitely mm-hmm. uh, is 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 obviously plays into the story here. But it is kind it, it is somewhat odd for iFixit to say, "Listen, third party came to us. You know, Samsung wants this down. We want to play nice with third party, so we're doing that." End of story. And maybe it is the end of the story. You know, it's 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 it, clearly Samsung wants to to scrub all of the Galaxy Fold's uh, opinions <laughs> until it gets a few things um, right, better. Uh, you know, in the, in the next iteration. But but it is it, it's interesting that it was worded the way that it was worded. Yeah, yeah. It it definitely just makes you want to ask more questions. And and I think the iFixit report was even more valuable than the reporters who all had or many of whom had their devices break when on on the fold. Those were very interesting and the number of them versus how many phones were out there was was significant I uh, I think. But nobody knew why. When you looked at the iFixit information that showed, like like you guys talked about on the show, about how big that gap was that, well, yeah, stuff's going to get in there. And then when you fold it, it's going to break when stuff gets in there. So that actually got to a root cause that was really concrete that we could all look at, not just, oh, you shouldn't have pulled off the screen protector that looked like every other screen protector. You know, that was... That almost felt like a red herring compared to what iFixit found out. Well, and and it, you know, again, this is this is a quote that iFixit put out into the world, and and somebody, you know, feet feet were held to the fire. It, it seems, but it is again worded in kind of a funny way, where it's like, you know, what we didn't actually have a real Galaxy Fold that we purchased at retail. So once we do that, then we'll, you know, have have a, a, a unit that that we can that we can be I don't know. I it's it's 
the whole thing is just, it's just, it's just sort of an odd, it's an odd story. And it, and it, it makes it feel salacious because, mm-hmm. because we, we don't have that third party information. You know, there's, there's just part of the story that's not being told. Yeah. If it had just been, uh, Samsung told us to take it down, we would have gone, oh man. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, of course they did. Yeah. You know, Samsung got mad at I fix it type thing. I fix it's like, well, we've got this partner that gives us some, like some models and we'd like to get more in the future. So and they're we're... real good about repairability. So yeah, that, that as well. Well, All moving right. on. Oh yes. no, that one's yours. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Lime scooters in Brisbane, Australia have been making suggestive and offensive comments to writers after pranksters swapped audio files on certain vehicles. You heard that right. Wait, the, scooters the scooters were hacked. Doing it? The scooters were talking to writers. The scooters were hacked to make a variety of comments. Some of them were sexual in nature. Some of them were offensive in nature. Local papers in the city reported this information. Lime also said that the prank was not funny and that it was working to return the hack scooters to their normal state. So this would have been fun if they'd just done funny stuff. It's too bad that they turned to offensive and sexual stuff. They could have have had fun with it. Well, some people think that offensive and sexual is also funny, but (laughs) Roger and I were talking before the show because when I used to live in a different part of Los Angeles, there were scooters everywhere. I mean, littering the streets, Um, but also being widely used and and you could see, you know, children and, and, and kids who are like for sure younger than what the minimum age is supposed to be to ride scooters, Mm. not wearing helmets, the whole thing, enjoying them very much. You know, I stayed out of it. I'm, I'm too much of a fraidy cat to even ride a scooter ever, but they have since creeped into my neighborhood. And so you're seeing the same stuff. You know, I, I, I just this morning walking my dog, you know, it's early it's 7am, you know, and I see a kid who's obviously trying to get to school on time, you know, riding a scooter and it's like, and you're kind of in traffic and the whole thing. And it, the whole thing just, it just kind of freaks me out. And there's all, you know, assembly people in my neighborhood trying to figure out whether or not we ban these things. And that's a whole other topic. But when I hear about, you know, pranksters make making scooters say, you know, offensive things, you know, I think like, oh man, you know, there's a bunch of kids writing these, you know, so that's where yeah. it becomes yeah. something where it's like, it's not really all in, all in good fun. No, that just got icky. That was yeah. Bad. That was icky. Unfortunately, that could have been a fun story, but it turned icky. Well, <laughs> ProPublica, rep- speaking of icky. ProPublica reports TurboTax uses deceptive design and misleading advertising to trick lower-income Americans into paying to file their taxes, even though they are eligible to do it for free. Intuit, which owns TurboTax, appears to be hiding this free option from Google search by adding code on its site telling search engines not to list TurboTax free file in search results. Senator Ron Wyden said in a statement that Intuit's practices are outrageous and that he plans to investigate further. Oh, you know, come this, on. this story, you know, it, it, it hits hard <laughs> considering a lot of us paid a lot of taxes earlier this week or last week. Gosh. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it is very much true that if you're below a certain tax bracket, you know, you're making less than a certain amount per year, then filing taxes is free. Um, and the fact that TurboTax is so widely used 
I'm a TurboTax user. I've been using TurboTax for years, off and on, but I, you know, I, I've used it many times. And and it, you know, it, it's always sort of like, let's hold your hand through this complicated process. We are here to help you feel for, good. for a small fee, of course. Sure. That you know, for you know, for 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 me, it's always been like, yeah, you know, if you're a small business, maybe you you pay for a certain tier, but but to obfuscate. Uh, the fact that it truly is free uh, for a, a wide swath of people um, is pretty underhanded. And if they really did put code in that exempted that part in out, out of Google search, I mean, that shows intent, right? You don't just accidentally obfuscate the free part. The free part. Right. That yeah, it just, wasn't. That's yeah. greeted. It's very best. I mean, that's you're terrible people if that's true. Well, okay. So you're, you're, if you, okay, let's say that TurboTax, you know, did do this and, um, and the folks behind it were trying to get away with something that has now come to light. Now what, you know, they get fined. You know, what, you know, what, what happens to so many people who use the service each year? Yeah, that'd be, well, I mean, the fun part would be is if they make, make them go back programmatically and figure out who shouldn't have had to pay, but they probably don't have access to what your actual numbers were. So yeah, exactly. That would be hard to tell. Yeah. yeah big that, fat fine. Well, uh, make uh, them work in a homeless shelter or something. Executives, <laughs> you know, come on. Moving on now, Waterford Upstart, which is a project started in Utah, the state of Utah, and spread across 15 U.S. states, offers an online curriculum for children from low-income families and rural communities. All right. It was awarded an audacious product uh, project rather grant that's being criticized now by CCFC or the Campaign for a Commercial Free Childhood, who believe that online education in lieu of classroom and teachers will widen inequality. Nancy Carrison-Page, she's an educational professor at Leslie University in Cambridge, Massachusetts, wrote as part of CCFC's letter to TED, you know, TED, as in TED Talks, the organizers of the Audacious Project initiative, quote, kids learn by playing, exploring, and interacting with adults, not by memorizing letters, numbers, and colors presented to them on screens. End quote. The Audacious Project offers a $280 million prize shared across eight projects to tackle the world's toughest challenges. Roger, I know that this this story caught your eye before the show, and um, you know, wanted to wanted to get your take on 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 why. So one of the things that uh, technology has kind of been lauded for was now everyone can have access to quality educational curriculum via their tablet, via their PC, via their smart TV. And one of the things that educators, at least the educators I've known that are, that are, that are friends, was that like you, you're missing the crucial component of the feedback of a, of a person next to you, in front of you, um, where that's where, you know, they say a bulk of the learning happens when you, when you have kind of a back and forth. As an adult, it might be different if you learn that way because you've already been through that process, right? I've already been through grade school. I've already been through high school. So for me to take and learn things online might be a different proposition than a child who who's li- whose contact so far will only be limited to uh, um, personal family members, right? Their mother, brother, siblings, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting, like, you know, where you have a project or the Audacious Project, which is designed to you know give grant cash money grants uh to projects to help solve an issue and you know using technology i it sounds good but at the same time does it really achieve what you want it to do 
right? Roger, like, the, the thing I thought about when reading this, though, is that there, the Nancy Carlson Page is acting as though we are going to, to put out this this curriculum that you sit in front of a computer screen and that's all that this child is ever going to get. I mean, you don't know that the adult isn't there playing it with them and asking them questions and interacting is, with them. You don't know that. That is true. But this this program or, or the Upstart program is targeted at uh, economically impoverished and rural areas, right? which typically have both parents or a single parent working that like you you chances are that demo, that that economic bracket will have less of that interaction that you're speaking of because of the economic situation that the that okay. their parents will find this so but, the, but the, the argument is talking. the argument isn't though that technology is, is bad is that for that situation you might want to put money into something that will address their specific needs other than assuming everyone that has access to technology will learn the same way well, I don't know that they ever suggested that that would be as good as if they did have access to preschool. But if you if the child has no parent paying attention to him while they're sitting watching television versus versus no parent talking to them while they're learning something, I would contend that B was better than A, not as good as 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 having preschool available to them, for example. That would be a better situation. But if they don't have it at all, I don't see how having kids learn memorize letters numbers and colors is a bad thing oh no it's it's i i i think the 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 thrust of the argument is not so much that this is bad in and of itself is that the money could be better used for a program again that could that that is more beneficial to that to those people in that situation yeah, I think there are there are a couple of factors here that seem like they're not necessarily being stated but are implied and that is how young do you need to be in a classroom with yeah. a bunch of other kids and, and a teacher? These are pre these are pre K children. These aren't it, these aren't right. these yes, aren't right. first to because yeah. because I don't think I don't think if the story was about uh, kids being able to take a lot of online courses that there would be this sort of like hmm wait a second are they really going to learn this college stuff? It's it's about being at, at a young enough age where it it's 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 not the same um, to to be doing this remotely potentially not the same. Again, this is, you know, this is kind of new stuff. I also found Carlson Page's quote of saying that kids learn by playing and exploring and interacting with adults, not by memorizing letters and numbers and and the like. I understand that sentiment. I also don't necessarily feel like I did much more than do exactly that uh, in (laughs) a classroom with a bunch of kids and a teacher back in the day, uh, you know, depending on the teacher, but it's, it's, I don't. I don't think that it is it, one of these situations that's as easy as saying if you're all there in a room together, you're going to learn better than you would otherwise. Really depends on the kid. All right. With that, <laughs> if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes or less, subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. All right, Allison. We're going to move on to discussion story um, that kind of came from you because you pulled uh, a lot of your own audience on the story. And I thought it was really apropos for this Friday that we're having. And that's about learning technology. So when we talk about how do you learn your tech, what are we talking about? 
Well, the question I started thinking about was uh, I create long form video tutorials for Don McAllister's Screencast Online. They're 45 minutes. They're a deep dive into a single topic. They teach you everything you need to know about a piece of software. That's what I teach. But I started thinking about how do people actually like to learn things and and so I, I pulled my audience in a couple of different forums. Um, you know, do you read the manual? Do you use physical books? Do you just poke around in menus? Do you do a search for what you want to know and then just watch the video or read the, the, the that little bit that you found? Or do you watch long form video tutorials or do you read long form web manuals? And I think what was interesting about the responses is they were pretty much all over the map. And I pulled a couple of them out here. I just wanted to say was uh, Rose. She was all over long form video. Johan starts with a book, even a paper book, which was crazy. Uh, Chris said, oh, I used to read the manual, but now, you know what? These things are so complex. I learn a subset of it and I just ignore the rest of it. Uh, Rick and Dave both said they learn by doing. Uh, Kaylee was a poke and search kind of person. Alistair says, I just try to figure it out by myself. Uh, Dave talked about doing pair programming where you you pair up with somebody and program together, which I'm a huge fan of with my friend Dorothy. And uh, then Caleb said, poke first. Then when I can't figure it out, I do, do manuals. And if I can't figure out from the manual, that's that's when I go to the video and audio. And, and I thought that was interesting because it just covered the entire spectrum that there's all these different ways that we like to learn. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, a couple of years ago now, I started teaching myself logic, which is an auto, uh, audio editing program. And it's extremely complex, mostly used for music. I happen to use it for podcast production. Mm -hmm. Who knows why I chose it, but that's the one that I use. Um, and it is, it is so much deeper than that what I need to use it for, but I do run into problems every so often. And what I find almost, you know, I don't think it's hilarious at the time because I'm usually really frustrated, but <laughs> there's a help menu in there, right? You know, so I, I say something like, you know, uh, you know, um, captured freeze frame or, you know, something that you think like it'll highlight the answer if it's available somewhere within this program. And, you know, mm -hmm. the program will just be like, nah, no, don't have it. Well, you know who does have it? Someone on Google because they've made a YouTube video about it, and and and, and then you kind of then you kind of kind of deal with someone's production of that tutorial video, which you either like or you don't like, or it's helpful. Yeah, are they or crisp not. and right to it, or did they drag it out yeah, to make it a cinematic it, performance? <laughs> exactly. Yes, and and yeah, lots of lots of uh, shout outs to other things, and for the most part, it's like. The answer that I'm searching for is somewhere out there and I'll get there eventually. Mm -hmm. But it's funny how what, you know, where I think it is most realistically going to be is often not the case anymore. You know, I, I'll actually give a shout out to Microsoft. Everybody hold on for me saying something like this, but I'm a big <laughs> Excel aficionado and the Excel help is extraordinarily good. Like, I would say nine out of 10 times what I'm trying to figure out how to do, I can find it in Excel help. That is pretty much the end of the list of programs that I use where I would say help is how I find anything. Um, one of my favorite things to complain about is people love Pixelmator. It's a darling of the Mac and, and uh, now the iPad. I mean, people just love it. But their help manual, I'll, I'll say, okay, I need to learn how to do blah, blah, blah. So I find blah, blah, blah in the in the instructions. And it'll say, click on the icon for blah. And whatever that is, I don't know what it looks like. So they're telling me the icon, but I don't know how to find the icon because I don't know what it's called and I don't know what it looks like. So it, it all depends on how well the, the documentation is written, whether the people really took the care from somebody's perspective who doesn't know what they're doing. 
Well, it kind of goes back to our previous story where I think it 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 largely just depends on the teacher. Like who is mm. teaching you this thing that you're trying to learn? You know, you're you're and I mean, most of us you know, we're talking about, you know, uh non-pre-K uh folks, <laughs> right? But, but, but they're it, catching up, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, they really are. They I'm sure there are some pre-K logic kids who could teach me a thing or two, but there there are there's just a lot of bad information out there, and 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 we all kind of know yeah. that. You know, we, we're we're pretty good at being able to to file away, you know, clickbait stuff, and and when it comes to getting information in general. But when it comes to tutorials, I find that at least for me, sometimes I'm so kind of at the end of my rope and so frustrated that I end up. Again, you know, this is YouTube, but not always YouTube, but often just a video tutorial of somebody where I'm like, I don't know if you're a trusted source. I don't know if you're good at this at all, but I know that I need help. And so I'm, 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 I'm searching for an answer from a complete stranger uh, <laughs> that I do not know on the internet uh, to give me, to give me something else when I should probably be reading the manual. So at what point is there a limitation where you no longer I mean, I guess this would be up to the individual, but where you can't glean information, where you can't self-teach your teach yourself something. Well, like I, I wouldn't be able to self-teach myself how to spot weld or weld. Period. Right? I would. It's a dangerous I would, first yeah. step. Yeah, like I, I could, yeah I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, or for example, I wouldn't. If I tried to learn calculus on my own, I would have a bear of a time. I, would, I did much better when I had an instructor. So I could constantly pepper them with questions and get an instantaneous response instead of kind of going through this process of, okay, I don't know. Let me see if I find the answer. And I got to make sure it's the right answer. Because a lot of these, yeah. a lot of YouTube tutorials and stuff, sometimes they skip steps. And sometimes those steps are very crucial that, that allow you to bridge one step to another. Um, and, you know, where, where, do, where do you figure out, like, okay, I, I got to pay someone or I got to pay for a class or I need to enroll in, in a community college course? Well, I think Sarah sort of obliquely got to what my answer to that would be. And um, Bart Bouchatz, as I've mentioned quite a few times, is, is doing a course with me called uh, Programming by Stealth. We're 75 or so episodes in in an audio po- podcast learning how to program, which sounds crazy, but it actually works because he has really good tutorial notes. But what he's been trying to do is take the training wheels off and not give us answers. Like he'll give us things in the homework to do that he hasn't taught us how to do. Or there's a big, like a leap from here to here that you don't know the answer to. And what he's trying to get us to do, and I complain to him about all the time, though, is to find it. Find it in the documentation. Learn to read documentation is one of his big things. And um, so so that's a big piece of it. But if a product is not well documented, that's where I think uh, some handholding can come in. And I think the important thing to remember is that, like you said, Sarah, everybody is different. Everybody learns differently. Um, and my, my favorite example of this is that uh, my, my buddy Niraj and I used to work together on web development. And we discovered we were miscommunicating constantly because I speak in Cartesian coordinates and he speaks in color. So I would say, go to the upper left-hand corner, and he would say, press the blue button. Well, if he <laughs> said, press the blue button, I couldn't find it because I wasn't looking for blue. I don't, what do you mean blue? And he didn't know what I meant by going to the upper left-hand corner. So we had to learn to speak each other's language when teaching each other. It was really, really interesting. That is interesting. Well, uh, you know who else is interesting? Everyone who participates in our subreddit, uh, because you submit all sorts of stories. You can submit them. You can vote on others as well at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. 
Real quickly, Martin uh, submitted an email to our mailbag and says, hearing about the test store yesterday, he was talking about Walmart, reminded me that five months ago, there seemed to be a big push from the Walmart Tech Labs advertising and software engineering podcast and on LinkedIn and websites as recruitment and to change their perspective in the developer community as somewhere to work in cool technology. In any case, just adding a little more info, it looks like they may have gotten some good talent. Allison, I don't know. Do you think Walmart is, is kind of new, cool, hip? Uh, you know, s- s- uh, they, they, have they reinvented themselves? Well, it's starting to feel like it. I mean, they they're they're not dead yet, right? They're uh, they're still no. thriving. So very very much not dead yet. I like to hear that they are doing the AI stuff though, because at least they're getting into something that is uh, could be a competitive advantage and keep the competition alive. That's yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I you know, with all of the. Um, with all the folks who are shopping there regularly, um, to have more options is a good thing, especially because in many cases, at least the retail experience, Walmart might be your only option. One option that we love to have on Fridays is Len Peralta. Let's check in with you, Len. You've been drawn throughout the show. What do you got for us today? Well, you know, uh, I of course I have Avengers Endgame on the mind, <laughs> uh, top of mind here. And we we're also talking about the best way to learn Uh, how to uh, use um, a computer or your tech. And of course, everybody knows that the best way is to have Thanos teach you. And uh, that is uh, what the image is today. It's Thanos and little Gamora. And he's teaching her about the, which is actually my first computer was the IBM 8088 PC computer, which was at the time the most powerful computing machine available to mankind, perfectly balanced with a 2400 baud modem that can log you in the BPSs and hack into your neighbor's spreadsheet programs. So that is um, awesome. Yeah, so this is uh, available not only at my online store at lenperaltstore.com, but if you're a Patreon backer at the $5 level, you can get this right now. You can download it right now. And all you do is back me up Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Len. By the way, if you go to Google right now and you Google Thanos, yeah. click on the, uh, on the glove on the right-hand side and you'll have a treat. You have to sit and wait for it though. Super cool. Super cool. It's super cool. <laughs> Thank you, Len Peralta. Wonderful work as always. Oh, so good to have you. And also so good to have Allison Sheridan. Boy, you have been contributing to DTNS quite a bit this week. Um, <laughs> let folks know where they can keep up with all the rest of your work. Well, the best way to find me is at podfeet.com. Everything good starts with podfeet.com. But I want to give a special plug about MacStock Expo. This is a, a Mac Apple-centric uh, gathering in Woodstock, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. It's July 27th and 28th. It is my favorite thing of the year, uh, well, other than like my own birthday. And uh, <laughs> if you use discount code podfeet, you can get some money off. It's a small conference. It's only a few hundred people. It's a great fun vibe. There's classes, there's uh, parties, there's karaoke. You don't know what's going to happen. It's a really, really good time. Check it out at MaxDocExpo.com. We appreciate everybody who supports the show. You can find out more at DailyTechNewsShow.com slash support. As Tom always mentions, and I'll do it today because it, it's in his absence. Our goal each month is to get one more patron, just one more or more, but at least one more than last month. You could be that person that helps us get over the top, become a DTNS member, and get an ad-free RSS feed. You can get special episodes from Tom on how we do the show, how the sausage is made. Special episodes looking back on tech news of the past and a whole lot more. Sign up at patreon.com slash DTNS. If you have feedback for us, our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. 
If you'd like to join us live, well, that's good news because we're live Monday to Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 20.30 EPC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewshow.com live. We'll be back on Monday with Jen Cutter. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.